This is the EVP Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the EVP Podcast. I'm Beaker. I'm Ghost Day. And I'm DVO. And this week we have some cursed objects. We're gonna we were bringing you more cursed objects because we figured three wasn't enough, so we're bringing you three more. But before well, there's we thousands, do, you gotta get to them all. Yeah, it's so it's gonna take a while, but we'll get them. We'll get them all. If you have one that we don't talk about or haven't already talked about, and you want to hear about it, send us an email. You can hit us up on the social medias. We're at evp.pod on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email us, evp.pod at gmail.com. And if you have a cursed object, send it to Beaker. At- <laughs> <laughs> Give me your address. I will pick it up from you at a central location. In Sandy, Utah. Fashion Place Mall, Murray, Utah. Um, yeah, but before we get into that, Ghosty and I did a thing. Yeah, we spent money. Whoa. We spent monies. Our favorite thing. Yes. <laughs> We've been talking about getting one of these devices for a couple months now. We got the Flux 2. Since we went to the expo. Yes. Yeah. I've been wanting it for a while. We've talked about it for like the whole time we've been doing this podcast. We yes. saw it at the uh, Paranormal Convention in Vegas. I've been wanting it since I've seen it come out over a couple years ago. Yeah, this is the 2. So th- this is the second edition. So I'm looking at it. I've never heard of this before. I'm looking at it. It's a triangular shape device with lights on the top two oh, different that's a ufo lights. that is a ufo i've ever seen in... <laughs> it is if we throw it yes oh, oh it beeps it just spoke it's, at me oh there's, there's multiple lights, colors. colors so tell people what this is for what's the purpose of this device for paranormal investigating it will sense uh if something comes close so there's sensors on both sides Okay, and if something were to, if you were to ask a question, so um, it's sensors, not like EMFs, not reading electromagnetic fields. It's purely sensors. sensors. I don't know I, everything it'll okay, do. I, see. I don't know everything else it'll do. I'm still playing with it. I need to probably watch some tutorials. Okay, but I'm guessing right now you can ask yes or no questions, and uh, like say you ask like this side being green, yes; this side being red, no. Left and right side. You yeah, mean. so you can everyone depending watching. on what side you're looking okay. at. I'm just you know just saying. But anyways, because uh, it's triangular shape, so there's a left side and a right side. So uh, one side being green, one side being red. So this side, if it comes in contact, boom, it'll go red. Uh, if it comes over here on this side it'll go green so you can ask it questions and it can manipulate either side and make noises and it'll beep light up okay interesting so and then i don't know what other features it does have uh but I know it has like different ranges on the flux too it has yeah you can set it to be like just really close you can set it to be like far away and also pick up on temperature changes so for me thinking hearing you guys explain and watching it my ideology thinking behind it is if you're talking to an intelligent spirit, yes, that's what it's going to be good for. Like, hey, hit this left side. If, you, if this is the answer, hit this right side or make, you know, cross the sensor to make it light up for your answer to be this or this. Correct, which is what you would still do with pretty much any time you would pick up like on a K2 and ask it to manipulate a K2 mm-hmm. or on the Ghost Meter Pro and asking it the questions. Um, same thing, different ways of communicating, but I like I like this. This is way better, the okay. visual and the noise and seeing it where the ranges are coming from and being able to manipulate it myself, knowing that it's not getting just thrown off random stuff. Okay, interesting. Now, we, we did talk about the Flux 2 a little bit on one of the episodes we did in the... The in Vegas. Prison. Or no, what? It was, it was, we did an episode on one of the prison... or. Yeah, it was one of the prisons. Uh, Kindred Spirits used it. Oh, okay. Um, and it seemed to actually respond to their questions. Okay. Um, 
So both of these devices that we have, I haven't talked about mine yet. Uh, our friends at Bear River Paranormal have both of these, and they both come highly recommended from them. They say they work really well. Okay. So the device that I have is called the Melmeter uh, with the REM and AD, ATDD on so, it. So Mel made it? Uh, yeah. Mel Torme? Yeah, it's Mel. <laughs> Mel made, actually Mel. named after uh, the daughter of the guy who invented this, so he could in- communicate with Melanie? his daughter. Yes. Oh, you remember cool. that episode, I remember. huh? I do remember yes, that episode. you know. So a millimeter by itself, from what I can tell, is just a uh, fancy EMF meter. Uh, it will check milligauss. It also comes with an antenna. I don't have it plugged in for those that are watching on the YouTubes, but it does come with an antenna that text, checks the temperature. Now, what makes this one a little bit better is there's an antenna on the top. For the sphincter. That, that you can pull out <laughs> for your sphincter. Um, mine, not yours, because I don't <laughs> want it to get sticky. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently, I'm not sticky. Um <laughs> But uh, there's a button on the back here you push that says REM, and it turns on the REM pod feature. And basically what a REM pod does is it senses if you get close to the antenna, if there's like a disturbance or an increase in the EMF, not only will it show on the screen, but there's these lights that will uh, kind of beep like that, kind of like a... Like a K2. Like a K2, but yeah, it's, it's basically if something like gets close to the antenna... And if I change the sensitivity, it will actually be. Um, and the REM pod goes off of EMF, electronic yeah. magnetic field. So if I change the sensitivity here, it will actually, the closer you get, the higher, the easier it is for them to. Oh, okay. Uh, so you can use this kind of the same way, um, talking to hmm. spirits, and they can, you know, touch the antenna or get their energy, push it towards the antenna to, to elicit a response from the. Well, that's pretty interesting. Okay. And then, it, again, it acts like another uh, EMF meter because it goes off of the milligas and all that. So, Got it. So it's it's a pretty cool device. Um, I can't wait to get it out in the field and try it out. No, it would be cool for this if, like, a, say we're somewhere where there's known to be, like, a child spirit or something, and you could put, like, a trigger object right underneath that as that's standing. Yeah. So yeah. as they come close to maybe touch it or get near it, like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Very interesting. Well, I'm excited. We got some investigations coming up, so we're excited to use these devices and give you guys a review about it later. That's probably all I'm going to bring. <laughs> I'll probably bring my other EMF meter, and that's about it. That's Maybe all just really this use. and the K2. That's all I need. Yeah, I don't bring a whole lot either. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we do have some investigations coming up. Uh, one at the end of this month, one in the middle of next month. Yeah, actually, real quick, the reason why we're going to go on these real, uh, coming up because we want to investigate them, see how they are, and then we want to start holding some public investigations as well for some of our for our listeners and viewers. Yay, yay! So you guys can yes. come with us <laughs> on some upcoming episode or investigations. So that'll be fun. Yeah, but we'll scope it out first, and then bring you guys along with us. Yeah, I know one of the locations only I've been to. First location I've ever investigated, so if you remember what that is, you'll know what it is. Um, but we won't reveal that until later, because we're actually going to do a full-on episode about that location that we haven't talked about yet on yes. the show. Right. But uh, enough of that. Let's get right into the nitty-gritty. Let's start talking about some cursed objects. Uh, Ghosty, what do you got for us? So I have the Screaming Skull of Burton Agnes Hall. I like this name, the Screaming Skull. You know, when I was looking at the list that I sent you, yeah, I was kind of like leaning heavily towards this, but something was telling me, I'm like, I know he's going to pick it, so I went with something else. It's this cool one name. just kind of stood out, yeah. I'm going to create a biker gang, and that's going to be our name. The, the Screaming, screaming, screaming Skulls. Skulls. 
But as we write down the other monsters, we're just going to be screaming the whole time like banshees. <laughs> screaming skulls. We're both scared <laughs> and fascinated. All that right, would be kind of cool. What, what is the screaming skull? I just saw it. I don't know anything about it. Okay. So this is about a spirit named Catherine Ann Griffith. And she died there at Burton Agnes Hall back in 1620. Do you know what that is? It's a it's a it's a building out there. It's a big mansion. Like they lived there. Okay, but, okay, got it. Um, it's a his, like you can visit the place. It's just a big, big house. All right. Um, it's report reputed to have been haunted by the Queen's state bedroom. Anne Griffith, she was the youngest sister of three, and uh, her dad actually built this place, and. What had happened is she was, she was killed. Well, she was, she was beat up, bullied, robbed, and then she they were she was found, brought back to the house where she later died. But this is what she had said. She said, um, "Okay, let me just read you the story. This story is pretty cool. I like the way this was written and everything." All right, the story is that Anne had watched the building of the new house and could talk and think of nothing else. It was to be the most beautiful house ever built. When it was almost finished, Anne went one afternoon to visit the St. Quintin's at Harfham, about a mile away. But near St. John's Well, she was attacked and robbed by ruffians. Mm-hmm. Those ruffians. Those damn ruffians. See, and I heard I stories. Those hooligans. <laughs> I heard stories that all said she was bullied to death, pretty much. I'm like, what the hell? And then finally I read this story, and I like this the best. She was robbed and beat up by ruffians. 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 <laughs> She was brought home to Burton Agnes, but was so badly hurt that she died a few days afterwards. Sometimes delirious, sometimes sensible, she told her sisters that she would never rest unless part of her could remain in our beautiful home as long as it shall last. She made them promise that when she was dead, her head should be severed and preserved in the hall forever, and to pacify her, her sisters agreed. However, when Anne died, she was buried in the churchyard. They never did that. Okay, so that's an odd request. When I right. die, I cut that's my head kind off of like what it. they thought. They were like, "Uh, yeah, sure, hmm. whatever." Yeah, they just said they would, but of course they wouldn't. <laughs> so because of that, her ghosts was scaring everybody. So this is what it says: Then the ghost walked and scared the life out of everybody. Remembering Anne's dying words, the sisters took counsel, and then they ended up. Uh, they eventually agreed that the grave should be opened. The skull was brought into the house, and so long as it was undisturbed, the hall was peaceful and untroubled. Many attempts have been made to get rid of it. Once it was thrown away, another time it was buried in the garden, but always the ghost walked with tremendous noise and upheaval. The skull is still in the house, built into one of the old walls, probably in the great hall. Nobody knows for sure just where it is, but now she can watch over her beautiful home. So as long as she's not... Disturbed, she ain't haunting anything. Hmm. So yeah, this was the story of the screaming skull. I'm she, guessing she, she was, was screaming. Um, but yeah, they had to take, they had to go dig her head out of the ground. Jeez. That's interesting. That is a crazy story. But huh. I would, it would be cool if somebody actually did know where the skull was. They should just tear down the walls and just start finding it. <laughs> it's in between the walls. You think? That's what they say. That's what they say. Huh. It is in the great hall. In built into the wall is Interesting. where her skull is sitting. You know, you don't have to tear it down. You just take one of those mediums that are super gifted that can find bones, and they can just be like, it's and they can right just be there. like, it's right there. And yeah. then you tear down just that spot. <laughs> that would be the best. Yeah. <laughs> if only we knew someone that could do that. 
Interesting. Ding. Ding. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the story of this screaming school. Okay. I've heard of stuff like that before where someone requests something uh, with a particular object, or in this case, their head. Um, they want it the, a certain way when they die, and if it doesn't happen, they haunt the shit out of it. So there was actually a few other Screaming Skull stories. This one was the most uh, relevant one that kept coming up okay. every time, but there were like three or four other ones that I did see. Was it another story about a baker, biker gang? The, yeah. Screaming Skulls. <laughs> they just all have electric bikes, and they go... Yeah. We've become famous in our own TV show, Scared and Fascinated. Yes. Our team name will be the screaming skulls even though we're the old travel that's how we'll travel (laughs) (laughs) all right my uh my story is about busby's chair but first before we talk about busby's chair we need to know about old thomas busby well he's from north yorkshire england he was known as a kind of a local drunken thug, but he also owned a, thugs. a bar and inn. Is he a ruffian? He's, he's a little bit of a ruffian, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, along, with, along with his father-in-law, Daniel Audi. They were both little ruffians. So, so Busby married Elizabeth, who, and from that he, he befriended her dad, Daniel Audi. We'll just call him Audi. And uh, Audi was a petty criminal, little ruffian, you know. <laughs> and uh, the two of them would commit illegal activities together. For example, they had a coin counterfeiting operation, and plus other things. Well, at least they weren't going too extreme. They were yeah. just counterfeiting coins and not large bills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And robbing and hurting people. <laughs> yeah. And so, like I said, Busby owned an inn, and Audi owned a farm that he customized for his illegal activities. So one night in 1702 at Busby's bar, they were having a little argument. Not uncommon for the two of them. So it's not really sure if they were arguing about Elizabeth and maybe Audie's telling Busby, I don't want you you know, with my daughter or whatever. Or just about their illegal activities. They just had dispute over, over you know, something they were doing. But the argument got pretty heated, especially because Busby saw Audie sitting in his favorite oak chair. He's like, oh, hell no. That's my chair. So they, they got into an argument. Well, later that night, Busby, who was still pretty mad about the whole situation, he went to go visit Audie, and Busby would end up killing him. So I've heard different stories. He, strangul- he, he, uh, he killed him by, through st- strangulation, and I've heard that he killed him th- by w- one of their counterfeiting hammers. So I'm not sure how he killed them, but I've heard a couple stories. Again, this is over 300 years old, so you know things get lost in translation. He strangled them sitting with in the chairs hammer. was a big deal. Back yeah, then. it was. Yeah, you can <laughs> don't sit in my. It's still a big deal. You remember when we were growing up? That's my spot. That's my spot. <laughs> don't like I gotta they're go to the bathroom. Don't take my spot. They've probably had enough of each other too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, 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 yeah. I mean, seeing someone share that's probably that's a straw that broke the camel's yeah, back. He's there. All, that's it. <laughs> he's done it. He's done it for the last time. <laughs> like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. That's my spot. So, uh, but I like the idea that he actually beat him to death with their counterfeiting hammer. Yeah, that sounds cooler than strangulation. Uh, So, Busby was arrested and condemned to death. So, he was to be hung and tarred and put on display. Like, he just can't go be murdering people, all right? So, he's going to be hung out for display. So, there's two stories about how the curse came about. Again, this is 300 years old, so, you know, things get kind of lost there. So, here's the two stories of how the curse came about. One story is he was allowed to have one last drink at his bar in his chair before his death. And then he made his curse there. The second one was right before the hanging, he made his curse. This is what the curse is. This is what he said, he said. (laughs) 
May sudden death come to anyone who dares sit in my chair. So that, that's a curse right there. There's no doubt about it. So, much so, they, the so they decided, let's, let's keep the chair, yeah? yeah. <laughs> so, well, the inn across from where Bisbee was hung capitalized on his death. And, and again, he was, he was hung right across the street and he was just put out for display, right? Hanging there, uh, dipped in tar, by the way. And so he renamed the bar to Busby Stoop Inn. So he renamed it, <clears throat> and here. So they left it there. He left it there as like an attraction. Like they would dare people to sit in this chair. Oh, okay. It became like an attraction. Yeah. So yes, they did keep it there on purpose. Oh. Okay. So there are supposedly sixty linked deaths because of this chair. So as soon as after someone sat in this chair, they died. Mm. All right. So here, here's a couple uh, reputable. Well. I say reputable deaths. <coughs> so during World War II, airmen would be known to not return after sitting in the chair. So they'd be dared, they'd sit in the chair, then they wouldn't return from the, during the war. There's a story of two other airmen. Um, they crashed their car after drinking at the inn. There's another story of two friends. They were out having some, having some drinks, got a little intoxicated. They went on a drive, and one of them died... He, he was found robbed and hung, and the other friend just you know act like he was passed out or drunk, or whatever. But on the on the other friend's deathbed, he actually um, admitted to killing his his friend. So <laughs> uh, there's a roofer who sat in it, and then on the next day, he was working on a on a roof and fell through and died. There was a cleaning lady who sat down taking a break, and uh, she got a brain tumor and died. There was a chimney sweep who committed suicide by hanging from a pole, I believe that day or the next day. And there was a, del- so at this point they had moved the chair away. They're like, okay, all right, let's move the chair. Let's not have this. So they put it down in the cellar and there was a delivery driver who just kind of sat in the chair, also taking a break, not realizing about the curse. And when they took off from his delivery, he crashed and died. So there's just some notable deaths according to the chair. After 60 deaths, we won't stand for this anymore. We better <laughs> put it away. I don't know about if I believe that every one of these people that died had to do with sitting in the chair. I want to, because, okay, somebody died leaving that place or went to that place. Who knows if they even sat in it? They just might have said, oh, they went there. They had to have sat it, and the story just got said. Uh, Or how, how many people have sat in it and nothing ever happened? Thousands? Hundreds of thousands, and maybe like you know, just coincidentally, one out of those hundreds they said of thousands. Everyone that sat in the chair died. Oh, I forgot. Sorry, the story says <laughs> Look, it's not an interesting story if people survived the chair. I know, right? I mean, it's not like you know, you leave in a bar where you just got shit faced and you get in a car accident and die from drunk driving. That's that's not, not related. That's not related <laughs> at all. The airmen, though, that one's a little. During World War II, maybe they didn't want to fight in the war, so they <coughs> used it as an excuse to just kind of go AWOL. Or because, like, a lot of I people died. It was. <laughs> yeah. During the war. Shut yeah. down like, during the war. There's, like, ten of them in a row all getting blasted, but two out of their ten went to that bar, so because of them, you all died. Nah. <laughs> no. It's no. A, no, it's a haunted chair. Okay, you're right. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> you're right. In pictures. <laughs> well, Busby's spirit is said to be haunting his old inn, and the chair is currently hung up. On the wall, so no one can sit in on even on accident for display at the Thirk Thirsk Museum. I have no idea where that is. The Thirsk Museum. Let's go touch it. 
I don't know, me being a judge. You can touch it, you just can't sit in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I would have... I'll find a way. When I would have <laughs> sentenced him, I would have sentenced him to being burnt in his chair. Instead of the hanging and tarring, burn to death in your chair. Well, <laughs> this is all in hindsight. You didn't know he was going to curse the chair when they were hanging him. Changed my rules. <laughs> I'll be like, I changed my sentencing. I'm the judge here, remember? Sit him in the burn chair. Burn him, burn him. Oh, wait, he just cursed the chair? Burn that shit. Burn him in this cursed chair. <laughs> They're both going down. With the tale of old Busby's chair. The death chair. <laughs> you know, if uh, this was the witch trials in the 1700s, they would have. They should have. They should have. They didn't. <laughs> 1400s? I don't know when the witch trials were. What's the purpose of tarring somebody? To preserve them? Sure. No, it boiled their so, skin. Yeah, so they can oh. stick feathers on them. Well, so what happens is it burns. You get third degree burns underneath it. And the tar, you can't just peel right. it off without pulling your skin off with yeah. it. So it's a torture. Ugh. Yeah, it feels great. It, it's a fully... Well, he's already been hung, so he's already dead by the time they dip him. I'm, just, I'm trying to understand the purpose of dipping him after, after he's dead. dead. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't see the point of that. Preserving him. That's just putting so salt him. in the wound. I think it's just to, so, they, so they can hang him so he doesn't just sit there and rot and fall off the po- post he's hanging from. Oh, yeah, I did want to show him. Put him on display. Yeah. It's pretty but, strange. What? What? All right. Go, uh, it's Beaker. Beaker. <laughs> I know. What do you got for us? silent. <laughs> you guys look similar. <laughs> You're right. We it's do. our beards. Yeah. I had to look. He didn't have a beard. <laughs> I'll never have a beard. <laughs> yeah, it's that glorious uh, ginger beard he started yes. growing <laughs> 10 years ago. I think it's starting to show. It's like a couple millimeters I have now. a poem. Do you oh, want to hear, hear the poem? Did you write it yourself? I did not. Uh, I don't want to hear it. Then. Someone else wrote it in 1971. Fine. He is of the seeing visions. His strokes reveal them. In a rush of color of madness and mystics. And its head is the highest center. It must confront its enemy. Then hands resist him. Like the secret of his birth. His presence in the sanctum heartbeat. Felt in darkness and in passion. It sounds the whole gift to the silence. So this poem was written. 1971. uh, A year later. A gentleman named Bill Stoneham. In 1972. Painted the hands resist him painting. Have you heard of this before? I have never. It's it's of the Is list. It the one of, that has like two kids. Yeah. Well, okay. it's a it's a boy and a doll. Okay. Um, standing in front of a glass paneled door, uh, on the other side of the door. So basically, the inside of the door, because it's like mm-hmm. they're standing outside. There's hands like pushed up against the glass. Okay. Okay. Um, so the boy is supposed to represent the artist uh, Stoneham. Uh, while he was, it was a picture that was taken of him when he was five years old, uh, while he was with his adoptive family, they were visiting his grandparents in Chicago. Um, so the, the doorway, yeah, that's kind of a creepy looking picture, isn't it? I know you can't see it. We'll, we'll have this on the social media. Um, but the, so the, the boy is supposed to represent Stoneham, the artist, the doorway is supposed to represent the dividing line between the waking world and the world of fantasy and impossibilities. And the doll is supposed to be the guide that shows them how to get between the two two different worlds. Hmm. Um, the the hands are supposed to represent alternate lives or or possibilities. Um, now, 
this this the inspiration he got from this I kind of already touched on it, it was that poem that I read at the beginning it was the uh, it was written by his first wife like I said in 1971 oh. and in the picture of him when he was a boy um when he first had this painting it was on display for two years at the Charles Fingarten gallery uh and then after that he decided to do like a one-man show where he had all of his paintings uh up and for those on YouTube, you can kind of see the painting a little bit. Um, so, in 1974, he did this one-man show. And during that show, there was an L.A. Times, or Los Angeles Times critic that came to the show, saw the painting, and this is what he said about This was his uh, review on the painting. He said, William Stoneham's painting, paintings are at their best when they are their weirdest. In those instances... The young artist comes close to inventing the first truly neo-surrealist painting I've encountered to date that extends the surrealist fantasies into the contemporary realm. The best works here deserve the attention of collectors devoted to traditional surrealism without objecting to a good many new and startling twists. Um, so at this show, there's only one painting that sold. Hmm. This painting. The Hands Resistant painting. It was bought by a gentleman named John Marley. Um, apparently he's famous. He was an actor. He was, he played the, uh, the character Jack Waltz in The Godfather. Oh. Uh, have you ever seen that movie? Love it. I have not. Um, but apparently there's a scene where someone wakes up and there's like some animal heads in the bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. him. Okay. So that's the guy that bought the painting. <laughs> okay. Um, so apparently three people have died after having come in contact with this painting, hmm. which I think is really interesting because the, the... The timelines don't really add up according to different accounts. So um, when the current owners of the painting bought it, they reached out to Stoneham and kind of told him the story. And Stoneham recalls that the first two guys, um, I don't know if I said the the name of the, the critic. His name was Henry Seldes. So apparently Henry Seldes and Charles Fengarten, uh, both died, according to the artist, uh, they both died within a year of coming in contact with the painting. Hmm. Which would say that at this point they died in, like, what, 1974, 75-ish? Uh-huh. Um, so Charles, uh, the critic, we'll start with the critic first, Henry Seldes, he actually died in 1978. The police found him in his apartment and they ruled it as a suicide, but they're not 100% sure if that's actually what the cause of his death was. So it's still kind of a mystery, apparently. Uh, Charles Van Garten, the guy that had it in his gallery for two years, he died in 1981. I couldn't find a cause of death for him. He just, I mean, this is almost like 10 years afterwards. So I thought it was a little interesting that um, several websites said that the Stoneham, the artist, said that these two died within a year of coming in contact. Uh, I actually did research and pulled up the obituary of Henry Seldes. He did die in 1978, and it was ruled a suicide. Sorry. So... Um, the third one would be John Marley, the owner of the painting. The actor. Uh, the actor. He died in 1984, so I get 10 years after having purchased mm. the painting. Um, he had open heart surgery, and I guess there was complications, and he died from shortly after that. Um, a little while after Marley died, the painting was found outside of an old brewery by some couple that lived there in California. It was like some brewery that was kind of also like housing art as well. They found it outside. Thought it looked cool, so they kept it. Um, the The painting kind of like after Marley died, it 
you know, until these people found it. They didn't really say anything until the year of 2000 in February when they listed it for sale on eBay. They listed the painting as a haunted painting. Okay. And so obviously this is going to catch people's attention. Sure. Get um, my attention. Okay. <laughs> so this is some of the stuff they put in the listing of this painting. They said this painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. When we received the painting, we thought it was really good art. At the time, we wondered why a seemingly perfectly fine painting would be discarded like that. Today, we don't. Um, one morning, our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into the room during the night. So, because of this, because of their kids saying, Hey, these kids are keeping me awake and they're coming into my room... They put up a motion sensor camera in the girl's bedroom. Okay, because this is 2000. Yes. So, on the listing of this for eBay, they actually put up some of these pictures that they had gotten with this motion sensor camera, saying that it proved that this painting was actually haunted. Okay. Um, one of the pictures showed the boy crawling out of the painting as if he had been threatened by the doll. Um, others said that other pictures showed the doll's face looking very angry. And is holding a gun. Um, <laughs> right? So, and, and it might just be because of the, the quality of the picture. You know, February 2000. Yeah. Um, two of us were still in high school at that point. Um, so, the doll's actually holding, like, a um, a dry cell battery that has little fuses coming out of the top. Uh, that's what the artist said is what she's holding. But apparently, in some pictures... That battery is gone, and it looks like a gun. And I know if you look that up, you can actually mm. kind of see there. It, it kind of uh, looks like a gun. I can it's, see that window uh, so that line right there it's where the, her hand is. Yeah, it's, so the battery is coming mm. up out of her hand, and there's a, a pane, like a wood panel that the goes section. across because it's, it's like sectioned glass. Um, it happens to be the panels like right where the top of the battery is, so yeah. it kind of looks like a gun. Mm-hmm. So... Um, in some of the pictures, it, it shows that she's angry and she's holding a gun instead of the battery. Um, so, yeah. So, it's actually a battery. It's not a gun. But, apparently, the, the, in the pictures, it looks like a gun. Um, I don't see it. But, um, when they listed this, they put a disclaimer on there absolving them of any liability if the painting was purchased by anybody. Um, within the first few hours... That this was posted, it received over thirty thousand views. Um, it was it was on there for I think less than a month. It was bid on, I think like thirty times. The first bid was two hundred dollars. Oh wow! Uh, it ended up selling selling for selling selling. It ended up selling. Um, ended up selling for one thousand twenty five dollars uh, to the Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, like I already said, the buyers contacted him and told him about the story on eBay and all that. And he was surprised by the stories and the strange interpretations of the images in the painting. Um, and then, like I said, apparently Stoneham recalled the other two dying within a year, which it's not true. Um, So some of the things that people say they experience when having looked at the painting, even if it's just online, they have one person claims that they fainted at the sight of the painting. (laughs) You guys are still good. We haven't fainted yet. We've got the painting open right here. Okay. Another said that they felt like their throat was being tightened by an external grip. Anyone choking you guys? Nope. Nope, we're good. Okay. Sour. I got sour Sour taste in my mouth. Okay. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Um, 
Someone else said that their monitor went white and emitted a blast of heat as soon as he looked at it. And he also started crying for no reason. A little melodramatic. I know. Um, we had another person that said that they heard an exorcist-type exorcist voice in their room. Um, I'm not sure what you would consider an exorcist-type voice. Are we talking about, like, the priest? Because that's what an exorcist is. They're thinking um, of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they're thinking of the movie. So, apparently a demonic growl is what they heard. Um, someone else said that their brand-new Epson printer ate and mutilated page after page when they tried to download images of the painting. So, I guess they tried to download and print it, and it messed up their, their printer. Um other people have reported difficulty breathing and becoming ill or just experiencing general discomfort. Um, parents of children said that their kids became unruly and started to scream at the side of the painting. Because they're bored, probably. Probably. <laughs> There's a Reddit user named Jupy Knight who said, I still refuse to look at this picture for more than five seconds. It creeps me the fuck out. Yep. Um, then we have another Reddit user named Snooze My Dog. <laughs> he said, I put it on display in my living room, and man, the th that thing made everyone who saw it uncomfortable. People stopped coming over because of it. He said, I ended up taking it down due to popular demand. Hmm. So, apparently this is all stuff that people experience. This painting is... is I've I lost mean, friends over this painting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this painting ruined my life. I just, to me, it doesn't look that creepy. No, yeah. it's not creepy. And in this website that you're on, is that Stoneham's website? It is. Yeah. Yep. So he actually has four other paintings. I'll get to that in just a second. I don't. I mean, I think it's a. It's a little eerie, but it's not. It's Those not are his other scary. It's and not. I, no, I think it's, it's just art. Weird. Think it's it's just, art. It's yeah, like yeah. okay, let's see what this artist is, is thinking. You know, let's look. Let's look at it. But it's, I don't think anything weird by it. His other paintings are creepier than that. Yeah, they are. <laughs> this is the the. So what remains here? That looks like the death tunnel at Waverly. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll. Uh, I mean, you can if you're looking at YouTube, you can kind of see these. Um, I'll post these all on social media. Um, but in 2016, there was a book written about this called The Hands Resistant, Be Careful What You Bid For. Uh, it was written yeah. by Darren Kyle O'Neill, and it came out in May of 2016. Um, the book was about a fictional family as that, that won. They were the winning bidders on eBay of the painting. And a detective who finds a connection between the painting and his investigation into a 28-year-old open case of a serial killer known as the Life Swapper. Mm. Um, on the website I got this from, it's saying that they're in the works of trying to make a movie. I haven't, I didn't look into that, but that'd be kind of cool. Um, the author, O'Neill, said he had his own experience when he was writing the book. And his quote is, I first saw it online when I was living in Dubai. I printed it out and left it on a side table next to some other document. It's printed on the same printer with the same paper. Anyway, I went to fly to Italy for a month. When I came back, the air conditioning had gone awry. Everything was green mold. The TV, bed sheets, my daughter's cot and clothing, all of my suits in the closet, the documents I had printed were all green. Um, but right next to them, the only thing that was perfectly untouched was the printout of the painting. And you printed it out for what reason? Uh, probably for the book that oh, he was writing. Okay. Oh, okay. Probably has nothing to do with the paper that it's made out of or anything yeah, or the nope. print being on it. <laughs> yeah, literally, he said literally everything in the house was like destroyed with this green mold except for... What the hell happens in Dubai that they get green mold? <laughs> on everything except for this painting that he printed out. There's some weird stuff That's in the air stuff. over there. Yeah, I know. It's, it, the air conditioner broke. I have no idea. I'm more 
spooked out that they got green mold growing <laughs> over everything. <laughs> he lives outside in a treehouse. I have no <laughs> idea. Like um, so the the painting is it's still owned by the the people that won the bid back in two thousand. It's it's owned by a gentleman named Kim Smith. Uh, he works. He owns the Perception Fine Art Gallery, um, and it's not on display. They keep this in the back room. Um, the reason why they keep it in the back room or at the gallery is because his son requested it. He said he didn't want to keep the most haunted painting in the world in his family home. Ooh, what a stretch! I know. That's funny, is because there's two other paintings I was thinking about talking about, and they they're they also, are also the most haunted paintings in the world. Of course, they are. Um, I will talk about those other paintings on future episodes of Cursed Objects. Um, <laughs> He, he says he's only publicly shown the painting six times. Um, him He himself has not experienced anything supernatural with the painting, and he's had it, you know. Did those six other people years. die? Yeah, probably. They had to have. Yeah. It's the most haunted painting in yeah. America, in the they, world. They did. They felt uncomfortable, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, he's he although he's never experienced anything supernatural by himself, he's had people reach out to him. There was a... A man of faith that has sent him many prayers and quotes from the scriptures. Uh, there was a Native American shaman in Mississippi who gave him advice on how to cleanse the residents of the evil thing uh, using white sage and that. Um, there's also reports of people being repulsed by it, people made physically ill or suffering from blackouts or mind control experiences. This is... This, Let's see if we get mind control later. We'll I look can't wait. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> By the little boy in the painting, or who? Yeah, probably the doll. Okay. Because the doll looks creepy. I mean, it has no eyes. It's just black holes. Right. Um, so the he's he's had many offers to from people to purchase the painting. They've offered him. One person's actually offered him over a hundred thousand dollars, and he has no interest in actually selling the painting. Um, so he's just gonna keep it. Oh, probably because they're trying to make a movie out of it, of course. Probably. <laughs> and it's going to be worth there was millions. A, well, I mean, he's had it for 22 years, so I'm sure he's had lots of... But yeah, if they he's do just make waiting a, for that payout. 100000 No way. Yeah. We're going to make that, a movie. That would make sense. But uh, there were, like I said, there's four other paintings. There's three sequels and a prequel to this painting. Uh, the first was done in 2004. There's a private collector that reached out to Stoneham and asked him for the sequel. Uh, so the first sequel is called Resistance at Threshold. And basically, it's the boy and the doll again. Uh, this is 40 years later. They're still standing in front of the glass door. But it's now he's now an old man. And the doll, uh, it looks really weird. It's, it's like something else. It's just, it looks kind of like a robot type thing. There's like a hand that's actually coming through the door. And it looks like it's pulling the doll's face off. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And then there's these like giant bees or hornets or whatever those are. Um, mm-hmm. and this was made for a private collector. I think it was the same private collector wanted another one, so he came up with the Thresholds of Revelation. And this one was released in 2012. And it just basically continues the progression of the boy and his doll, but in a different location. This one looks like he's in a kind of like a sewer tunnel. Mm-hmm. I think um, but the, he's still an old man and, and whatnot. And then um, in 2017... We get the prequel painting. Uh, this one is called "The Hand Invents Him." This shows oh, from the inside. Yeah, so this is this shows the inside. So basically, you see the door, and then you see the boy and the doll standing on the outside of the door. And it, it, the boy, it also shows the boy on the inside as the artist with a paintbrush, 
um, as if he's the one that's like painting this. And there's a Dobie. Dobie's in it. Oh, Dobby. Dobby. <laughs> there's a little there's a little thing crawling out of the, the ground. So there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in this painting. But it's like the um, the boy is the one painting this whole scenario. And then finally, we have the What Remains painting. This this came out last year. This is 2021. Um, oh, really? It depicts the uh, the original painting setting as deteriorated and scattered with debris oh. of earlier lives and stories. There's the battery. So there's the battery. There's the shoes. There's a skull. There's like feet hanging down from the ceiling. Which oh is, shit! This Can you is, see that again? This is this one's kind of this one. This one to me is the most creepy of all yeah. the paintings. Oh damn! I didn't even catch those feet hanging there. Are those dolls' feet? I have no idea. They look like they're detached. I don't know. Actually, the more I look at all these paintings, the more I like the story. They I like, like book covers. I to like me. this paint. The paintings on all these. These are all really good art. So, uh, out of all these, these so five paintings here total, the only one that had any activity related to it, or that got the the hype that the was the first one. Did, it was just the first one. There's no stories that go along with the other ones. No one's claimed of having supernatural activity. It did say that the prequel painting in 2017 was actually purchased by a haunted museum in Las Vegas. I'm only assuming that our good friend Zach bought this because I don't know of any <laughs> other haunted to. museums in Vegas. Had to. But yeah, oh, that is the, the story of the Hands Resistant painting. Interesting. Yeah. kind of want to break this down with you guys a little bit more after we hit stop on this. This is... Pretty interesting. I like this. So it's a, it's a pretty cool story. It is a cool story. Um, there are two other paintings that I will probably talk about at some other point in time, but this is the one that just like kind of like stood out to me the most. Okay. I thought this, and that, we'll post these pictures cool. on our on our social media. All right, well, guys. Well, should we call that an episode? Yeah, we should. But before we do that, make sure that we tell everybody that to go and subscribe, and like, share, do all that fun stuff. Tell your friends about us because we're awesome, and you know it. You know it. <laughs> All right, guys. Don't. It's because. Ghosty, don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. I put a spell on you.